Hi, first of all, I'd like to thank Jeff for inviting me to speak. I appreciate it, the opportunity to speak with all of you and to introduce myself. And I am a board-certified practitioner of acupuncture and traditional Chinese medicine. And Jeff and I had met at a function and started to talk, and I explained to him about something that happened to me, and I'd like to share that with you as well. When I was in Oriental Medical School, right here in Chicago, I was on clinic duty. It was my day to be on clinic duty. And patients lined up. It was a free clinic, so all types of socioeconomic groups would come. And it was my turn to get the next file, and the next patient file was put in my hand. And I called the, it was a woman, young lady's name, and I noticed her get up very gingerly, difficult to stand, had some problem with balance, and an older gentleman next to her helped her get up had a cane in one hand, and it was her dad that was helping her get up. So I immediately grabbed a colleague of mine and went to help her get up and walked her to the treatment room <clears throat> that was assigned to her. So she sat down, and we started to talk. And I started to take her intake. And she was 25 years old and had recently been diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. So needless to say, my heart just leapt when she told me that. But I, I stuck to what I needed to do and was to make her feel better, relieve her pain. She was in a lot of pain and she was experiencing tremendous tremors even as she was sitting there. So I got her comfortable on the exam table. And again, this is acupuncture school, so we need to lay out what we call a clean needle field. And basically all the instruments we use have to be in a sterile environment, clean. And you lay them out kind of near the patient next to the table so that you have ease of movement in between. So I'm sitting here thinking, okay, I literally, without just unconsciously look up and ask for help. Because this woman was very ill. And there are many things we see in the clinic. We see the common cold, two headaches and migraines, but we're dealing with multiple sclerosis here. And I was still in school. So yes, we had been told how to treat this particular illness. And yes, it's an illness that you can't cure, quote unquote, but we can definitely help her with oriental medicine and acupuncture. So the patient was lying on the table behind me. I, my back is towards her, and I'm looking up saying, okay, I need, I need help. Guide me. What's the best treatment for this particular person? And even the needles. I, I found myself just unconsciously kind of like opening my hands over the needles, somehow thinking that pure energy Good, good feelings would come down and be in the instruments that would go into the patient through me, like me acting as a conduit to help this young lady. Because she was so, again, you had to make sure she didn't fall off the table because her tremors were that severe. So, sat down with her, took the intake, put the needles in the way the protocol called for based on the, the feeling I got as I wrote it out based on what I had read in her chart and what she told me in conversation. Now somebody like that you can't leave alone because they could injure themselves, they could fall. So I pulled up a chair and sat next to her, and she was so sweet. She's 25 years old, as I said, an Iraqi vet, and she was diagnosed in the Army with MS. And the Army said, I think this is your fault. Basically, you must have come here with this. It's not really our problem, and they kicked her out of the Army. So she was there at the free clinic because she had no place else to go. So that, that broke my heart when I heard that. But you know what? Her face, she just, she had this glow about her face. She wasn't angry. She wasn't irritated. It's just something she accepted. And she was so kind, the, the kind words, even soft-spoken. And I thought, 
okay, how many people can get that kind of diagnosis, have that happen to them while they're in the Army, and the Army's saying, okay, sorry, but your services aren't needed any longer, and still have such a tremendous attitude. I mean, it was just, again, it just tugged at my heartstrings. So we sat there and talked for a while and finished her treatment, and I, I removed all the needles, and as I did that, I helped her kind of swing around, or get her legs over the side of the table, and I said, okay, let me help you get up. She goes, oh, no, I could do it, and I thought, we had a hard time getting to the table. How could she do this on her own? She said, no, no, I got it, I got it. So she swung around, landed her feet on the table, so then I said, okay, and I'm trying to hold her and also reach for her cane at the same time. I had placed it up against the wall. So I said, here's your cane. She said, no, that's okay, I don't need it. So she hung it on her arm like a umbrella. And I thought, okay, she needed it very badly when she walked in, but now she's just kind of an ornament on her arm. So I, I thought to myself, all right, well, that's good. So she's feeling better. So I walked behind her, walked her to the door, and there was an opening in the entrance where the clinic opens out into the waiting room. And her dad was there waiting for her. And I could still picture it in my mind today. At the end of the hallway where the reception was, there were all pure windows, just white light coming through the window. So I stopped at the beginning of the clinic, or say where the clinic ended, and she went and she kept going. No tremors. She wasn't in any pain. And she kept on walking towards her father. And at that moment, even with all the other practitioners running around me and other patients moving around and all the noise in the clinic, I said, look at, look, look at what she's doing. She's walking. She's not in any pain. And, and I, I felt like I was just, in that moment, all by myself watching this vision because the light around her shone as she was walking down towards her father. And I felt, oh, I said, oh, my God, I did that. And then I realized I didn't do it. I had some help getting that done. <coughs> Definitely had some help. And I saw her dad over her shoulder <coughs> walking towards her, and you could see the look on his face like, is that my daughter? She's walking without her cane. And the tears started to come to his eyes. And I started to get choked up too. And I thought, oh, oh my God. And he ran to get her, hugged her and picked her up. And they hugged and embraced. And then she turned around and waved at me. And then they walked arm in arm out of the clinic together. And I thought, okay, I know I was trained. I know I was taught, but somebody helped with through my hands being the conduit and through the needles to help that young lady feel better. And that was, again, when I was back in school and I still think of her. And as a matter of fact, coincidentally, I'm doing this talk today. I just got a new patient um, from a neurologist and her diagnosis is MS. And this is the week that I'm talking about this first patient that I had when I was in training. But I didn't always, wasn't always a healer if you want to call a holistic, alternative medicine, even though the medicine's 4,000 years old. I came from the corporate world. I flew here, I flew there. I was an executive for corporations like Disney and Universal. And I was in charge of the Midwest region, where I had 25 people reporting for me, to me. They're all in the advertising sales, the internet, all those commercials that annoy you. I was the person that sold those. <laughs> so I was running here and there, back and forth. Well, sure enough, three, four migraines a week is what I started to get. Lots of pressure. I'd be in Texas, and then two days later I was in Minneapolis, and then I was in New York, and then I'd go to LA. So lots of responsibilities, and these migraines kept coming and coming and getting worse. So I went to see a neurologist, and the neurologist gave me a painkiller. And for two weeks, 
it was great. I didn't have any pain. Then they started to come back. And I thought, okay, there's something, something's wrong, they're coming back. So I went to the neurologist again and he gave me stronger medication. And then stronger medication. And then stronger, and it kept getting to the point where one day, I remember, on a flight to Dallas, I had my three-piece suit on, but my head was on the tray table, like this, on the tarmac, waiting to take off, because the pain was so excruciating, and I could feel it in my face, in my temples, but yet, I felt like I needed to sleep because the medication was so, so strong. So finally, I ran into a friend of mine who I hadn't seen for years, coincidentally, and she said, you should try Chinese medicine and acupuncture. I said, okay. So about a month later, I had been in treatment, the migraines were gone. So I'm going about my business feeling great, no pain, and if anybody's had a migraine, you know what that's like. No pain, feeling great, and it hit me. It was like you could use the word epiphany. I said, you know what? I think I want to do this. I want to help other people feel better too. So I remember coming home that night and telling my husband, "Hon, I am going to quit work and I'm going to go to a traditional Chinese medical school full time. And I'm going to give up this running around crazy corporate life. And at the time there were things going on, my children were younger and I said, I, I'm, it's not going to be today, but I am going to do it. And I knew something was going to tell me when I was going to make that move. Didn't know what the sign would be, but I knew it would come. So sure enough, a few years, years later, something happened. I, I don't quite remember exactly what it was, but I find myself picking up the phone, finding out that the next session starts in three weeks and I was applying. And that's it. I went to school full time, graduated, and now I practice. And even to this day, I still, and I find myself doing little things. Well, the, as I told you about in clinic where I, I kind of stopped and hesitated over the table and thought and focused, I still do that. The patient will be in the room and I'll still stop and focus. What, what does this patient need? What, are, what do you need me to give to them? Use me as a conduit to give it to them. Through the needles, through touch, whatever it may be. I'll leave the room and I'll write up the treatment protocol or the treatment strategy for that particular patient. And there'll still be times, I know it, I sit at my desk and I'll close my eyes again and I'm asking for that. Because there's many ways you could treat various illnesses from, again, something simple to very, very serious. But what's the best for them? And I always ask for that nudge, tell me what I should do. And then I start to write, and then I'll go with that particular thing. And I also uh, am trained in Reiki, if anyone is familiar with Reiki. And Reiki is, when you translate it, it means spirit energy. And it has to do with energy healing, but using the hands. Okay, so... Basically, it's not necessarily, you don't have to lay it on the hands, but it's, again, kind of like taking pure energy from heaven, goodness from heaven, using it through your body and putting it on the patient. It's been around for thousands of years as well. And I'm training to be a master, and I use that in my practice. And patients tell me they could feel electricity, they could feel things moving, they just feel, they say, I can't put my finger on it, but it just feels kind of funny. Sometimes they'll say it tickles. Now, who would think tickles and needles? would go together, right? But they'll tell me those things. Now, is it me doing it or is it help? I think it's help. Somebody's helping me do the right things with those needles. Because when they feel good and they get off the table and they tell me whatever particular thing they came for and that they feel better, I'd still, I still get that, that, that feeling of, oh, that's great. I just feel so good that I made them feel good. So I really, really enjoy what I do, most definitely. And some of the things that 
I like to tell you about and have you think about from my experiences when I have a client, a patient, and I'm doing an intake. Towards the end of the intake, I'll say, tell me, Sue or John, whatever it is, what do you do for fun? And because emotions have lots to do with our health. And sometimes, sometimes people that we work with, physicians such, don't always see that they're in a bit of a hurry or rush, but they do have to do with our health. And 90% of the time, they sit and they say, nothing. They're just stumped that I asked this question. Well, what do you do for fun? Well, what do you mean? I said, well, what do you do for fun? You know, I don't, I don't think I do anything for fun. And when I first started to train, I'd ask that question. And I'd get that answer and I thought, oh, it's just kind of a quirk. Then I'd start to see it more and more. And almost everybody says the same thing. So something to take from that is we don't enjoy life. Not, not everyone, but I think there's a, a, a good number of us that don't enjoy life anymore. We forget to enjoy life. We have to get the joy, you know, find the joy in life and really understand it and embrace it because we're so running here and there and I have to drop the kids off and I have to go to work and I have to do this and that, that we're not experiencing joy. So I think we need to experience joy. And what happened with me is what maybe your grandma's told you, you know, follow your instinct or follow your heart. I think you need to do that because I didn't know that through my own illness, getting those migraines and being so debilitated and sick, that I was getting someone sending me a message saying, Mary Lee, you need to do something else. So through my own illness, I began to, I went to school to become a healer. Now, if you would have asked me this umpteen years ago, I would have said, I'm going to do what? Well, it happened, and that's what I'm doing, and I really love what I do. I still, to, I still enjoy it, no matter what, how complicated the case, how simple the case, I enjoy what I do. So I need you to be joyful, find joy in life. Definitely keep following that, that we want to call it a gut instinct, the Holy Spirit telling us what we need to do. We may not always listen or realize it's what it is. Be good at heart and follow your heart. Does anybody have any questions? Yes, ma'am. Um, I don't question that acupuncture works, but what is the principle behind it? Where do you place the needles and why is it that it works or that it helps? Ooh, that's a big question. <laughs> it's a master's degree, first of all, for you to be able to practice. And, the, and in the state of Illinois, the rules are very, very strict. You need to uh, pass three board exams in all different types of medicine. You really need to learn Western medicine and Eastern. But um, it depends on what's wrong with the person, where you would put the needles. So each, each thing, it isn't like when you go you have a migraine, for example. So it's a migraine and the doctor might give you Vicodin for your headache. But in traditional Chinese medicine, there could be 10 different reasons why you have a migraine. So I need to tell, figure out from what you tell me what's causing your particular migraine and then take care of that. So what it's based on is a 4,000-year-old system of energy. For lack of a better word, you might want to call it blood flow, energy flow in the body. And where things can get stuck or the body is not being nourished correctly, you would place the fine needles that are really as thin as your hair <coughs> in that particular area to kind of unkink it like a garden hose if you're watering your plants. And then you walk around your house and then all of a sudden the hose stops, no water's coming out because it's stuck on the gutter. You know, it's just all kinked. Then you, you know, work it back and all of a sudden the water flows. It's my job to open up that kink so that things flow again. Is it like where nerves are? Or? No. 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 
there's 2,000 acupuncture points on the body. And you have to learn where all those are um, when you're treating. So you have to learn the Chinese medical theory to apply the acupuncture. Does that make sense? Okay. Yes, sir. Yeah, well, like normally when you go into the army, you get a pretty thorough physical. And if this uh, girl uh, that joined, you know, she had problems, you know, walking or anything else, you know, she'd have difficulty even getting into the army. Correct. Correct. And that's why she felt put upon that this had happened to her, that they said, okay, well, sorry, you must have had this before. And she was going to make a career. She had been in it for a while. After she went to Iraq, she started to get the symptoms. So the Western doctors here think it's because she was exposed to chemicals in Iraq. However, um, that's he said, she said thing, and that's where she was at. But yes, yeah, she was discharged. <coughs> Recently, I saw a segment on, I think, on one of the news channels about how acupuncture is helping women with menopause. Oh, yes. Have you done any of oh, that? Oh, yes. And hot yes. flashes? And the reason I say, oh, yes, is because when you look at the textbooks, and again, these are textbooks that are translated from 4,000 years ago, um, and formulas, uh, herbal formulas and such, there are many, many things for women in the Chinese. I mean, even though China has a different way, the way they govern and, and some of the things that they do, I might not personally you know, agree with or we may not personally agree with, but as far as they take care of their women, and as far as medical, do lots, lots of formulas for women, lots of uh, protocols for women, perimenopause, menopause, infertility, any kind of menstrual irregularity, many uh, people come with those types of issues. As a matter of fact, I did my thesis on women's health. And that was one of the sections that, that I did. Yes, sir. Did you had any doubts about your career in the corporate world before you went and started receiving acupuncture? <coughs> was this something that was no, on your just, mind, or was it just all of a sudden you went yeah. to the Yeah. When I, when I saw how good I felt, and I, after everything I had been through and all the pain, I mean, it is extremely painful. Mm -hmm. um, again, if anyone's had, and you get three or four a week, so almost every day I was in pain but yet had to continue to function and do all that that's expected of you in the corporate world. And then when I felt better, it's just, again, it's like this light bulb went on and said, you need to do this. Because I had been into in, for many years and risen is, is pretty high in the company. And, you know, you get all the perks and the flying here and going on the Concorde to France with clients and things like that. But it's just something I needed to do and I felt like I needed to do and, and I enjoy doing it now. Mary Lee, from uh, when you and I talked, I know that you have a deep faith in God, and that's where you're getting your your energy from. Mm -hmm. um, but can you share with us how what this has done for your faith? This this work that you are doing. It's made it even stronger because I see every day when things happen, and if I ever uh, doubt myself or doubt something I did, even though I may have asked for help, and I said. Okay, well, you know what? I think I'm going to do this. Not good. Always go, <laughs> always go with that other, with that inner voice that's telling you what to do. So, but it's definitely, I believe, made it even stronger because I see it. I see it every day and how people feel better, and they get off the table. And still, I'm not. I guess when you get tired or something, you need to stop doing it. And you've heard people say that, but I just another case comes in. And it's okay. I'm ready. Let's. How can we help this person? So I think it's invigorated it even more. Thank you very much.